0: Good, what's good? I want to thank you for coming to Ball About the South with Seawood. Ball About the South, that sports podcast where it's real sports with real southern flavor. My name is Kerry Wood, but call me Seawood for short. At C Wood on Sports on Twitter and IG is where you can find me. And what an episode we have for you today as we recap week three in the college football ranks. And we also recap week two of NFL football, where we had a lot going on, to say the absolute least. So I definitely want to thank you for coming in. Uh, If you doesn't matter what platform you're listening to the show on, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google, doesn't matter, whatever it is, I really hope that you will definitely subscribe if you haven't already, that you will like the podcast, make a comment. Do a rating if you're on Spotify or Apple. And if this is your first time, I definitely hope it's not your last time to come ball about the South with Seawood. Anyway, man, let's get into this show. Again, we've got a lot to talk about. What a weekend it was. Obviously, we here. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, so, you know, right here in the middle of SEC country. And obviously, we have a lot to talk about with uh, SEC We do a lot with the HBCUs, which we're in the middle of HBCU country right here down in the south as well. But today we're going to get started with the NFL and we're going to go to Miami, Florida, man. Tua, Tonga, Vi, Loa, setting some people up. How about that? A lot of people told me and I've been seeing it in a lot of places on social media, Twitter and all of that. The Tua tonga could not throw the deep ball. He could not throw the football downfield. He could not, and he would not do it. He would not do it. He shut some folk up Sunday night, I mean on Sunday afternoon, with that 42-38 victory, scintillating comeback <laughs> over the Baltimore Ravens to a 36-50, 469 yards, 60 touchdowns he had two interceptions in the game we're gonna talk about that too i'm not gonna sit here and just bask in all of the glory necessarily but we're gonna talk about that but what a game man what a game and he found his two big time weapons he found them two times each tyreek hill found him twice in the fourth quarter he found Jalen waddle uh the first touchdown in the game and then he found him later in the fourth quarter as well And he was throwing the football downfield with ease. Now, there's a caveat to it. I mean, I will say that the Baltimore Ravens did not look the part of a really good defense at all. Marlon Humphrey suffered an injury in that football game, so you saw some busted coverages here and there. There's no question about that. Now, of course now, Tyreek Hill is, is a guy that can bust coverages without the coverage actually being bust. But in this case, man, you know, you saw some receivers running wide open and Tua was hitting those dudes right in stride and they were putting it in the end zone. So again, man, all I've seen over the last few months, and I thought about putting Tua as the cover of my uh, episode here today, but if you have been listening to the show. You know, uh, you may remember that I had him on my cover a few weeks ago because I was talking about how, Tua, you know, how would Tua deal with the pressure of knowing that everyone is sitting here talking about him with all these weapons. Now he has all the weapons that he needs. They've they've kind of revamped the offensive line and all of that. So are they going to sit here and you know, you knew the pressure was going to be big time on Tua to get the job done. How how would he handle that? That was, base, that was the basis of my uh, episode where I had him on the cover a few weeks ago. So I decided, well, I mean, even though it would have been <laughs> absolutely uh, relevant to put him on the cover this time, I decided to go another way. And then, of course, you see it's Jalen Hurts. We'll talk about him in just a minute. But, I mean, all I would hear, man, is that this dude this mess that he could not throw the football downfield. And I just could, for whatever reason, I just could not believe that I was hearing that. Uh, Again, if you sit there and you go back to his days at Alabama, obviously you probably didn't see a lot of him throwing the football downfield, but he really didn't have to. I think that kind of uh, spilled over into his days here in the NFL, his first couple of seasons, because, Obviously, that hip injury, I think, had a lot to do with that as well. So, and then, uh, you know, maybe some confidence issues as well or whatever. So, yeah, maybe he wasn't throwing the football downfield, but that doesn't mean that he could not throw the football downfield or he would not throw it downfield. So, if nothing else, he I think he should have hushed that noise pretty quickly on Sunday afternoon. Now, here's the deal, though. For me, man, uh, there is still criticism to. Him. I mean, you know, still big time criticism. Again, you see the two interceptions that he had on Sunday afternoon. My biggest criticism of Tua, if you really look at him and, and really break down his game, is throwing into tight windows. That is what that is my issue with him, and we've seen that back when he was at Alabama. He only threw a few interceptions while he's at Alabama. I'm not even going to look to see how many it was. I'm thinking maybe it was like, you know, four or five each season that he was there, or something like that. Because <laughs> uh, you know, I've I've always had this criticism, like I said, and there have been some Alabama fans that well called me crazy for saying that, you know, there there's any criticism at all to him. And they leave them to tell that he's perfect, but he's not. And, you know, even though he only threw a few interceptions there at Alabama, he probably could have thrown a few more that were dropped or whatever. But the other part of that is the reason that he didn't throw those interceptions at Alabama was he had wide receivers like Jalen Waddell, like Devontae Smith, like all those other dudes that wore crimson and white that were just getting open. And he was throwing into pretty clear windows. Let's just be real about it. So, I mean, they're throwing those little slants and everything, and Jalen Waddles sitting there catching it in stride and taking it to the house. Same thing for Devontae Smith. There was no need for him to really throw the ball downfield. But when he came up against certain competition and had to throw in the title windows, that is when he had issues. And you still see those issues today in the NFL. I, you know, in that in my earlier episode where I talked about two, I brought up a couple in particular. One with the Clemson game, the national championship. This was, this was the season after Tua replaced Jalen Hur- uh, Jalen Hurts at halftime. The following year, first series of the game, national championship game against Clemson, he throws a pick six. Another big interception that I can remember because again, it's not it hadn't been that many that he threw, but. They were huge when he threw them. The next one was the LSU game in 2019, the first drive of that game. And again, both of those were the same type of interceptions, tight windows where he did not get the ball in there where it needed to be. And they, so, you know, you got some DBs that are very crafty, even in the SEC. You know in the NFL that they're going to be able to pick those balls off as well. So, again, that is my criticism. Now, while, again, I have that criticism of him, I should not have to hear about anyone else's criticism about this dude throwing the ball downfield after what we saw on Sunday afternoon. That's the way I feel about it anyway. So, we'll see what happens. But what about that other dude, man? What about that other dude from the University of Alabama? How about Jalen Hurts? What a game he had on Monday Night Football That was primetime marquee football from him. And this dude, again, uh, another guy that's shutting up some critics, man. A lot of people, I can't tell you how many times I saw it on Twitter the other night that, you know what, maybe I was I don't know, maybe I was wrong about Jalen Hurts. And, you know, I saw that more than quite a bit the other night. I mean, a lot. So, I mean, here's the deal on Jalen, man. I, I think the jury is still out a little bit on him because let's let's be real. We we're talking about the Minnesota Vikings the other night that they played against. We we're talking about the Detroit Lions here last week that Philadelphia beat. So yes, I mean, there's a lot of reason for excitement because I think this dude is. I don't know if he scratched the surface yet of how good he can actually be. Uh, he is growing. the the maturation is still going for this dude which is scary but you know again I still say we have to pump the brakes just a little bit but the thing that you know again like I said the thing that I heard so many times was that okay well you know I I guess I was wrong about Jalen but this this is why he is such you know such a uh, fantastic football player but also such a fantastic dude because, again, yeah, I've seen a lot of people referencing him going out and working with Tom Brady in the offseason, which is great. I mean, that again, that shows his work ethic. That shows that he's that he's trying and he's doing what he needs to do to get better. Uh, I like it the way my man Mike Patton said it on Twitter the other night. Mike Patton, he's the host of Touring the AFC South. Really good show. You need to check that out if you're an AFC South fan or, of course, if you're Titans, Jags, uh, uh, Texans or Colts fans, definitely need to check it out. Obviously, we're going to get into the AFC South here in just a few minutes. But what he said on Twitter is that it's obvious that Jalen has been in the lab. And that's the perfect way to put it. My thing, I think Jalen has been in the lab for a few years now. And I think, again, that is one of the reasons why this dude is one hell of a role model. I mean, you sit there and you look at, obviously, what we saw at Alabama where he showed his patience and hung around uh, while the tour thing was going on and then Tua took his job or whatever and all of that at halftime of the Georgia game. We all know about that, but you sit there and you look at this dude's work ethic. That's the way I'm going with this right now. This dude, man, you just look at his progression from – that 2017 season where Tua uh, uh, took his place at halftime of the Georgia game. And then you, you saw the maturation from that that point to the next season, which, you know, 2018 SEC championship game, he took Tua's place, okay? He came to the rescue of Tua in that SEC title game against Georgia. It continued on with him uh, to uh, to Oklahoma University under Lincoln Riley and those dudes to the point where he almost won the Heisman Trophy. He was invited to New York, and it's going on from there. This dude is continuously working on this game, and it shows. Now, if you want to sit there and say, "Well, you know, 2017, Jalen," I didn't, you know, I, I just didn't don't know if I don't know if Jalen was going to make it. I don't know if he's going to be anything more than a guy that holds a clipboard in the NFL. I, You know, that would have been a fair statement because there's a reason to end up being the guy that ended up being the starter over him at Alabama. There's a reason for that. But continuously from that point, this dude has worked on his game, and it shows. And I, I could not be more proud of that dude you sit there and you look at his numbers the other night, 26 of 31, throwing the football 330 yards. He had also had fifty-seven yards rushing. That you know, he had 90 yards rushing against the Lions last week in week one. Students just getting the job done. And I am super proud of him. And even though, yes, I understand his last point in college was Oklahoma, he is forever built by Bama trust and believe that so anyway I had to get those two out of the way as you see the uh, this episode is titled hurt so bad hurt so good (laughs) hurt so good they left a bad hurt on the Minnesota Vikings the other night with their 24 to 7 victory anyway again though You may ask, you know, what relevance is Jalen Hurts? I mean, you know, that's the Philadelphia Eagles. They're not in the South. Well, yeah, Jalen Hurts, Alabama, his connections there and all that, obviously, definitely South related. Okay. Anyway, man, we're going to get into the news of the AFC and NFC South. We're going to get into some, some rough, rough times in the AFC South. That's for sure when Ball About the South continues. Okay, y'all, we're back in. Ball About the South continues, and let's get into AFC and NFC South games here from week two in the NFL. We're going to get into the SEC a little bit later. My Around the SEC segment is coming up obviously we had the Alabama game they did their thing 63-7 over uh, Louisiana Monroe and then of course the other huge game in the state of Alabama man the Auburn Tigers going down hard 41-12 to the Penn State Nittany Lions and obviously we're going to get into that football game a lot we got a lot to talk about on that particular game we'll do that in my Around the SEC segment along of course with the other big games there in the SEC as well, and from the HBCU ranks as well. Anyway, let's get into the AFC and NFC South. We'll start with the I don't know, man, there's not a whole lot of good to really go around, so I guess I'll just start with the really, really bad. And that bad was the Tennessee Titans on Monday night in that football game at the Buffalo Bills. And by the way, the Buffalo Bills were now 2 0 after this 41-7 to drubbing of the Titans on Monday night. That is the next opponent of one Tua Tonga Valoa and the Miami Dolphins. They get them at Hard Rock Stadium on Sunday. That should be in a very interesting football game, to say the least. And I can definitely say this. This is one thing I'm pretty sure, I think I can say with 100% confidence, the defense is going to be a little bit better than what Tua saw this past Sunday so I am definitely hoping that he continues uh, his uh, uh, you know better uh, quarterback play and showing that he is you know can be the guy that can lead this Miami Dolphins football team I hope that continues because if it continues this Sunday then I think you might be cooking with a little grease there on Miami Beach man definitely anyway let's get into this AFC South the Tennessee Titans go down hard 41 to 7 and what else can you say I mean it's really not a whole lot to say I mean I've I've seen so many opinions I've seen so many people just going off deep end obviously Titans fans about this football game the other night maybe I'm missing some because I put it I put it like this I felt like we, the Titans were going to lose the game, okay, um, and it definitely would not have shocked me at all if the Titans were blown out. Now on the flip side of that, we've talked about this before. I mean, the Titans always, you know, seemingly show up in spots in certain games where people give them no shot to win and then we saw the vice versa of that last weekend when they lost to the giants or when last season when they lost to the texans and they lost to the jets where you think oh man this team is about to really take off and really do some good things and then they lose to someone that they're not supposed to lose to we've seen both ends of that spectrum so for me man I'm not really in that much different a a look at this football team than I was before we came into the game. I'm really not. Now, maybe I'm just crazy about that. Maybe I need to put some glasses on or something. Now, don't get me wrong. A couple things definitely stood out in this football game. One, the offensive line is an absolute mess, and that did not get any better with the injury to Taylor Lewan, the latest injury to Taylor Lewan. Uh, seeing now that he may be out for the season. So obviously that's huge. The other thing was absolutely no pass rush on on Monday night. Absolutely no pass rush at all. And, you know, missing Christian Fulton like the Titans were last uh, on Monday night. That is not a good recipe. The Buffalo Bills took full advantage of that. Stephon Diggs mainly did his thing, obviously taking all of those uh, three touchdowns that he had, nearly 150 yards from those Josh Allen throws. And uh, they took, again, They yes, they took full advantage. But, you know, once you get into a situation like that, against, you, know, you know, a crowd like that, a team that I think is out to prove a point, they have a chip on their shoulder. I'm speaking of the Buffalo Bills titans have beaten them the last, last couple of times they've played all of those things man it was just a perfect storm that the titans were gonna get their ass with i mean it it just was again don't get me wrong that doesn't make it any any better to to live with or anything but all of this stuff about well you know oh ryan Tannehill, and i see so many people oh man was, the titans suck and i've and, and, and because and they sucked because of ryan tannehill, but ryan tannehill didn't didn't make that game twenty seven to seven or whatever it was or thirty four to seven there was nothing he did now, yeah, he did something to make it forty one to seven he threw that pick six, and I, mean, I know he had the other interception before that, but other than that, before that point, Ryan Tannehill didn't have anything to do with this thing being a blowout. This game was going to be a blowout regardless. And now seeing all this, oh well, it's it's, uh, it's time we get to Malik Willis. No, no, it's not. But that O line, are you kidding me? <laughs> you want to put Malik Willis, the guy that you hope is your future QB, you want to put him behind that O line? I don't. <laughs> Point blank, simple. I, I don't. Um, you put him in the game like they did the other night. Game was over or whatever garbage time. I was even almost scared for him the other night. To be honest with you, I, I was like, man, look, no, I, this is not time to bring Malik Willis in to come to the rescue right now. No, it's not. I'm not sure when that time is going to be. Maybe it will be this season. I I don't know. I can't really say. But I don't think, even though the Titans are 0 to 2 right now, I don't think it's time to necessarily panic. Because, again, I just, I, I, the Titans, to me, the the bigger loss, even though, yes, that was embarrassing, humiliating, all the adjectives you want to come up with, the bigger loss was to the Giants last week. If you don't lose to the Giants, you're still 1-1. One and one. And <laughs> even in losing both of these games, with the jacksonville jaguars leading the division at one and one everything is still there for the titans this season at least from what we felt that they could accomplish so again i'm not ready to panic and rebuild like a lot of people a of lot, a, lot, a lot of titans fans were suggesting on twitter the other night i'm not ready for that um again kyle phillips fumbling another punt that is a little bit of cause for concern there's no question about that i still think this guy is going to be a really good wide receiver i'm not really sure about returning plants right now they may need to find someone a little bit more trustworthy to put back there to just catch the ball um again like i said the defensive pass rush was, to me was a concern the other night no pass rush whatsoever uh And then running Derrick Henry offensively, just running him into this brick wall that was the Buffalo Bills all night. It was obvious to me. And maybe I was looking at it wrong. I don't know. It was like they were definitely stepping guys up a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. And for me, I thought Ryan Tannehill, especially on that first drive and maybe even the first couple drives of the game, threw the ball pretty well. And it's like, I mean, at some point you're going to have to throw the football downfield to kind of try to loosen these guys up they don't believe they don't forget about they don't think you can throw it they don't think you are going to throw it deep and have success they forget you know what I'm saying forget forget about (laughs) they don't think you can have success they don't think you're even going to try it so why sit here and 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 and, uh, why not stack everybody up against uh, on, on the line of scrimmage stop Derrick Henry Titans are going to have to do something about that. They're going to have to try to loosen up these defenses a little bit to get to a point where they can have that balance, that run-pass balance that they are looking for. Again, terrible outing, but I'm not ready to jump off a cliff like a lot of Titans fans are. 41-7, the Bills win that football game. Let's go the other games in AFC South. The other huge game in the AFC South was... <laughs> Another loss by the Indianapolis Colts in Jacksonville. They have not won there since 2014, which is just unbelievable. I cannot believe that stat, man. And that streak continues. But I tell you what, this one was a lot more believable than I would say probably any of the other ones could have been. Definitely the one at the end of last season. I'm telling you right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars may just be the best team in the AFC South. The defense, I think, is good enough. Trevor Lawrence is coming along very nicely. He has weapons now. Travis Etienne and James Robinson, I think, make up a pretty good backfield. You know, really good, pretty good backfield duo. I think. As yeah, good receivers, pretty good. And Christian Kirk is starting to look like he just might earn some of that huge contract that he got, uh, and maybe you know, kind of uh, solidifying it. Um again I you know I, I they could be I wouldn't say it just yet, but they could be the best team in the AFC South. Because the problems right now in Indianapolis continue to mount. They uh Michael Pittman Jr. did not play the other day in that twenty four nothing loss. They have not identified another receiver that can really take his place or even kind of, you know, be a tandem with him. Um You know, Jonathan Taylor is pretty much it for that football team right now. He he just really is. He's pretty much it, man. And, um, you know, until they get Shaq Leonard back, the defense, again, I think the defense is still going to be pretty good, especially when they get Shaq Leonard back. But, again, I think there's some definite concern there in Indianapolis with that football team. I really do here going forward. So... You know the Colts sit at zero one and one tied with <laughs> the Houston Texans, who also lost their game thirteen to nine. Very competitive game against the Denver Broncos went about like how you would expect a game against the Denver Broncos to go at this point. I'm sorry, actually sixteen to nine, and that is starting to become a very interesting turn of events there in Denver. Uh, I was not on board with that, thinking that. Okay, well, the Denver Broncos have a good defense and they have some weapons. Only thing is missing is the quarterback. I was never really on board with that. I I just wasn't. uh, Again, it's early. And there's obviously uh, probably a, a feeling out process that Russell Wilson and his receivers and everyone are kind of going through as well. So it's too early to tell, but it's not a good start there in Denver for Russell Wilson. So... Uh, the Texans again sit at o one and one. The Titans sit at 0 <laughs> and two, uh, and dead last in the AFC South. Let's look at the NFC South, man, and that had one huge football game in the Caesar Superdome, complete with a melee between Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans and Tom Brady. <laughs> There's always seemingly something going on between those dudes when they get together, and there was it was no different on Sunday afternoon. But looking at the football game itself, defensive struggle, man. It was 3 nothing Saints at the half. That defense hanging in there doing their thing with Tom Brady, and really, that can, really there was only one really main drive that the Tampa Bay Bucs had, and that came in the third quarter that ended with a Rashard uh, sorry, Berryman touchdown uh, from Tom Brady in the back of the end zone um, um, Rashard Perryman I don't know I knew I was getting that wrong <laughs> that didn't quite sound right Rashard Perryman that he caught in the back of the end zone from Tom Brady that was pretty much it for the Buccaneers offensively Leonard Fournette was pretty much a no show uh, obviously, they were missing Julio Jones and Chris Godwin from the uh, lineup. So, obviously, that was a big thing that uh, was not going to help their offense, of course. But the Saints really hung in there well. They just could do nothing against that Tampa Bay Bucks defense. The Bucks are really doing their thing defensively. They really, truly are. They made things really tough on one James Winston and he kind of had that one game that I think a lot of people have been just thirsting just drooling for him to have and he had it three interceptions there in the fourth quarter um, and you know did have that touchdown to Michael um, Thomas uh, there in the fourth quarter that made it 20 to 10 but the game was pretty much over at that point and uh, the, the Bucks go on to win that football game. But again, like I said, a lot of people were waiting for James to have that type of game. Those three interceptions looked pretty bad. One of them was really not bad at all. It was a deep ball to Chris Olave that uh, the safety for Tampa Bay was able to get his hands on. Then, of course, he threw the pick six. So not a good second half. But I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, things kind of being a little bit flustered a little bit rushed the Saints trying to get it you know um get into uh kind of their two-minute offense to a degree because they had gotten down those two scores and it was I think it was obviously Jameis rushed a couple of those passes into windows he thought he could get it into and then he could not those other two interceptions were definitely not good interceptions and those Again, but again, though, I mean, here's the thing. This dude, you know, I've seen, I saw it so many times on Twitter the other day with, well, I see, I told you so. You know, Jameis sucks. Jameis this, Jameis that. But where were those people when Jameis had 14 touchdowns and three interceptions before he tore his ACL last season? I said, oh, they were, those are the ones that would just say, oh, just wait. He's you know you'll see the real James is gonna come out, and so he's had that one game now, and now, oh okay, here we go so again I mean, don't get me wrong now if if James goes that way and he starts you know kind of reverse back to old James, it wouldn't shock me. I don't think it's gonna happen though I really don't I think the saints have enough weapons, I think that uh this is a I think this Jameis Winston is a little bit different we'll see he's got he's going to have his shot to prove it I think this game is probably going to be more the oddball. it's going to be more the you know uh it's not going to be the norm for Jameis Winston going forward that's just my prediction um again 20 to 10 loss for the Saints who are now one and one the Bucks, but again, the, the Saints' offense is a definite concern. They have really only had one good quarter of offense so far this season. That was in that Falcons game in the fourth quarter. Uh, you sit there and you look at the other games. Now, two, the Bucks are two and zero. Saints go to one and one. You look at the other games. Carolina going down to the Giants at the Meadowlands, nineteen to sixteen. Baker Mayfield not looking good at all obviously that is a big time concern man Christian McCaffrey did go over 100 yards 102 yards on 15 carries which is pretty good for him hopefully he is on the right track to doing his thing the problem is can can Baker Mayfield get on the ball that's going to be the question um so and then you look at the other team there in the NFC South Atlanta Falcons they go down 31 27 what a comeback after being down 28-3, to three, <laughs> it's not like they don't know about being, you know, they know that 28-3 to three score pretty well, don't they? And they nearly they nearly pulled it off there in L.A. at SoFi, but did not quite have enough juice to get it done. But still, really good comeback. Drake London had a really good football game, had a touchdown. Uh, Cordero Patterson came down a little bit from what we saw in his game against saints in week one but you know again look this this rebuild time i'm seeing a lot of people talking about oh marcus mariotta is not the guy for the falcons a lot of people saying that on twitter uh duh he's not supposed to be the guy <laughs> he's kind of the stop guy the stop gap until they get the guy or he's the stop gap until desmond ritter's is ready I mean, really, man. Uh, uh, anyway, so I think a lot of people are really starting to go in on the Rams for that game, giving up that huge lead. Look, man, we, are we not used to that from the Rams by now? <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, all we have to do is go back to the NFC Divisional uh, game last year. Again, now you're talking about Brady and the Bucks? but still, they were, they were big in that game. They almost blew that. They were big against the 49ers and Garoppolo. And by the way, my my thoughts and prayers go to uh, Trey Lance. Terrible injury for him. He's out for the season. But again, that is why they kept Jimmy Garoppolo. I could not understand why people were so hard on the 49ers for keeping this dude. This that's part of the reason they kept him in case something like this happened. Now guess what? Jimmy Garoppolo. You got him being your quarterback at a much cheaper price. I thought it was smart. Anyway. But last year, the last game of the regular season, the Rams blew their game to the 49ers, which gave home field advantage to the Bucks. We thought that was huge at the time. It turned out not to be. But my point in saying all that is the Rams are, they historically give up big leads. So, <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and worry too much about the Rams. Again, I obviously it's it's looking like they're gonna take a step or two back from where they were last season. I'm mean, like, you know, obviously I think that could be the case. But I'm not if I'm a Rams fan, again, I'm not really sweating too much that they gave up a big lead to the Falcons. That's just kinda how they do things. And it's not a good thing to do. But it just seems to be their MO right now. Anyway, man, that's my look at the AFC and NFC South. I'm gonna come back with a little bit more NFL in my last segment. Where I'll, I'll give out my game ball. Uh, well, no, nah, I actually I'll go actually go ahead and do that now. Why not? My game ball is obviously going to go to one, two, tonga by law, and it could have easily gone to Jalen Hurts, or I could have kind of you know given it to both of them or whatever. My NFL game ball is going to go out to two. Those six touchdowns and the way he brought them back against a pretty good football team was huge. And uh, I hope it's the game that kind of turns the narrative around for Tua Tonga So, Tua Tonga he gets my game ball here for the NFL in week two. Anyway, man, we're going to take a quick break. Kind of tease a little bit about the Auburn situation. We're going to get around the SEC the ball about the south continues all right y'all so we're back in ball about the south continues and now let's get into my around the s e c segment SEC! 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 yes sir the s e c and we're going to get into the games that we saw over this past weekend. There were four games that kind of really stuck out. Two of those games were out of conference and two of those games featured in-conference opponents against each other. So, let's get into it, man. It really, yeah, two of those games were pretty competitive and the other two absolutely were not. Um, let's get into the two games that were competitive first we'll get into you know let's go on to get Georgia out of the way <laughs> I mean what else can you say about the defending national champions right now I mean it's, it's just not a whole lot to say there's another you know uh, day at the day at the office really for them they win their game 48-7 over the South Carolina Gamecocks and the game was never in doubt <laughs> just It never was. I thought maybe South Carolina would be able to hang in for a little while and maybe uh, uh, they they get a turnover or two or something like that and maybe keep it close to the number, which was like around 21, something like that. (laughs) That wasn't happening. Georgia went on and they took care of business. And, uh, look, Georgia's the best team in the country right now. I don't think – Anyone should dispute that. Not even an Alabama fan. Alabama fans are gonna say, "Oh well, you know, I think Texas is better than Oregon." Georgia hadn't played anybody. (laughs) Look, I'm an Alabama fan, so I look. You know, look, I'm I'm not really totally sold on Texas just yet. Even though, despite the game that they played against Alabama last weekend, I'm, I'm just really not. That doesn't mean I, you know, again, I don't. I'm not really, I can't really say who's better Between Texas and Oregon And that's basically The teams that you would be trying to compare If you're trying to figure out Who's better between Alabama and Georgia I mean right now It just really doesn't matter <laughs> I mean it just really doesn't We're still in the middle of September We still have two weeks to go Here before September is over So uh, It's not a really big deal it really is so you know we'll actually have one week before september is over and then we'll be in the next week we'll have games on october 1st so still i mean look i mean georgia right now has more of an identity offensively and i think that is the biggest difference between these two teams i think georgia you know i don't know if we know enough about them defensively obviously they have been very impressive here the first few games, but um you know again I, I it's not like they've really played any Juggernauts offensively yet so it's a little bit early to tell, but I think Georgia's gonna be fine defensively I think the same for Alabama, but I just think right now the offensive identity is better for the Georgia Bulldogs right now and that for that for me uh puts them ahead of Alabama in the race I mean, you know, you look, Stetson Bennett is playing really, really good football, and he's shutting up a lot of people right now. He has guys like Brock Bowers to get the football, too, that are just crazy good right now. And, again, Alabama's still kind of trying to find itself offensively a little bit. So, we'll see how that goes. The other game that was out of conference, uh, that was in, in conference, well, no, let's take that back. The other game that was an absolute blowout at least it turned into a blowout in the second half the Auburn Tigers and the Penn State Nittany Lions and we touched on this game just really quickly um, in the opening segment Um, what else can you say I mean obviously the biggest news that comes out of this game is you know look it's, it's Brian Harson is, is, is hanging on by a thread I don't think there's any question about that I don't I don't even if he had won the game obviously <laughs> that you know that would have silenced a lot of people that want him gone I mean you know but it, it would have been you know temporary it wasn't going to be something that was going to last all season unless they really just started to really play well but we knew That Auburn was not gonna you know I I thought Auburn had a chance to win the game but me thinking that was solely based on I just didn't really think a whole lot of Penn State because we hadn't really seen a lot of Penn State except for that first night against Purdue and you know Purdue went out and they lost to Syracuse the other day um great game by the way (laughs) crazy ending of that game but uh you know, I, I just, you know, didn't really know a whole lot about Penn State. And I, and I was like, look, maybe this thing, you know, Penn State comes down to Auburn and that crowd gets to them. Um, you know, and maybe Auburn was able to pull out a win. Doesn't mean I would have thought any differently about Auburn or Penn State for that matter if that had happened. But the thing is, it did not happen. And the, the Tigers were not competitive. They lose that game 41 to 12. And now you know, the, the fire Brian Harson talk is has intensified even more and uh, now it's like, okay, everyone's putting up their bets or whatever, it's like when are they gonna um, let him go uh, we've got some interesting games coming up, they have Missouri coming up this weekend and then the following week they have LSU and then the things really get tough inside the conference, I mean you got Georgia coming up after that and uh, I mean, it's it's about to get really real for Auburn. And now you have T.J. Finley, who's nursing, and kind of nursing an in injury. But, you know, again, he, he may have just been benched the other day in favor of Robbie Ashford. And now you're looking at, you know, possibly starting Robbie Ashford this weekend against Missouri and see, you know, just kind of seeing what he does. But, you know, who knows? Who knows how that could turn out? I mean, this thing could... Has already unraveled and it can unravel a lot more really quickly in Auburn. And let me tell you how quickly things are working. You know, Herm Edwards, we hadn't talked about that. Herm Edwards was fired yesterday from Arizona State. And guess whose name popped up <laughs> on the early uh, candidates list to replace him? Brian Harson. So. Again, I, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know if Brian Harson gets that job or anything like that. But things are really uh, starting to really materialize really quickly with this whole thing. Uh, but, you know, you sit there and you look at that football game, Penn State dominated Auburn in, in that game. Uh, you know, both sides of the ball, both sides of the line of scrimmage. Penn State was able to run the football at will. And if you have that going on at Auburn where, they, where they, the defense is not going to keep you in ball games, this offense is certainly not going to do it right now. Because everybody's just loading up to stop Tank Biggs being Jacques Hunter and those dudes. I mean, because no one is really worried about the threat of Auburn throwing the ball downfield. So they're stacking the box and daring Auburn to run it or daring them to throw it. And let's be real, I I don't think you uh, have a guy on that roster right now that can can consistently throw the football down the field. So anyway, (laughs) I mean, that is how things are going at all. Let's look at the other two games on, you know, ones that really kind of stuck out. And these, one of them, again, was very, both of these games were competitive. Uh, And we'll start off, with the out-of-conference game, and that's the Texas a and Aggies hosting the Miami Hurricanes. And we talked about the Aggies a lot last week, of course, with that loss to Appalachian State. I mean, look. I mean, this was a good comeback. Don't get me wrong. I mean, to come back off of, an, up of a loss to a team that you were supposed to beating at home. Any, anytime you can come back and beat a team that was ranked. Or you come back and beat a pretty good team regardless of them being ranked or not. I think that's a good win. Don't get me wrong when I say this. But, I mean, I I, I just – this whole thing is is insane when you think about Texas A&M and the recruiting classes that they have had and the fact that Jimbo Fisher has not found a quarterback to really run that thing the way – you would think he would want it run. And we're talking about an offensive guy. This Jimbo Fisher is an offensive coach. And he has not been able to find that guy because, okay, so he he benched Haynes King in favor of Max Johnson to transfer from LSU. And Max Johnson went 10 for 20, 440 yards. I mean, I mean, just I mean, just basically, look, I mean everybody's talking about how he just, you know, kind of got the ball where he needed to get it. I mean, yeah, I mean I guess maybe on one drive he did. I mean, he was able to get it to A-Chain, you know, the running back number six. He was able to get it to nice Smith a couple times or whatever and they were able to uh, make some plays out of uh, you know, with their legs. But far as throwing the ball downfield, I mean th- th- that game right now is non-existent for Texas A&M. So, I mean, defensively they're, they're doing their job. So, I mean, again, you know, they're gonna be able to stay in games. And you know, you hope that. And again, I guess the biggest thing is Max Max Johnson did not turn the ball over. That I guess that's probably the best stat that they had offensively on Saturday evening. But besides that, this team had 264 yards total offense. They were out <laughs> Uh Looking at Mustafa, 392 yards for Miami, 264 for the A&M A- A- Aggies. Time of possession, the Aggies added 25 minutes, 29 seconds. Miami Hurricanes added 34 minutes. A full nine, almost nine minutes more. The Hurricanes had the football. I mean, so that, I mean, so that tells me. I mean, the Hurricanes had 175 yards. A&M had 124, and A&M ran 52 plays. Miami ran 77. I mean, you know, that's. I mean, again, and now there, I will. I must say there were. You had the two targeting penalties that ended the night for a couple of the defensive backs. There were already a couple of injuries in that backfield and defensive side for A&M, so that is something you have to take account, take into account or whatever. But this offense, man, is it, it, is not looking good at all, and there, there's there's going to be a lot of improvement between now and really this, this coming Saturday when they play Arkansas, and then in a couple weeks after that when they go to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. And then on and on and on. I mean, you got I mean, you sit there and you look at this league right now. I mean, and, and especially in the West. I mean, look at all what Ole Miss did to Georgia Tech the other day. Hadn't talked about that yet. Forty two nothing in Atlanta against Georgia Tech. Uh even though Mississippi, you know, we'll talk about Mississippi State here in a little bit. LSU looks a little bit better, maybe, here in the last couple of weeks. I mean <laughs> Ain't else gotta get this thing fixed offensively, man. They, they, they're not gonna be able to get outgained and have that big a gap between them in time of possession against better teams. I mean, I, for me, I was not buying into Miami just yet. Being the thirteenth best team in the country right now, if you had to ask me, <laughs> I think obviously i think alabama beats georgia i mean uh, alabama beats miami i think georgia beats miami i think kentucky beats miami i think arkansas beats miami a&m just beat miami (laughs) i mean uh tennessee in my opinion beats miami so that's six teams right there that i can just sit there off the top of my head that I think in the SEC would beat Miami right now today. I think Mississippi State would be right there to beat Miami. You know, half the league would beat Miami right now, just for me sitting here thinking about it. And, uh, you know, so A&M gets by, but is that going to fly the rest of the season? I don't know. Uh, then you look at the other game that was really tight, that was really uh, competitive. Well, it got to be a two-touchdown lead. Speaking of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, they they were ahead 16-10 to going into the fourth quarter there in Death Valley against LSU. LSU scores 21 unanswered in the fourth quarter, and they take a 31-16 victory and go to 2-1. and And everybody was... Everybody was uh, shoveling dirt on LSU because they lost to FSU opening night. And now here they are 2-1. Now, again, one of those victories was over Southern. But still, again, I I don't think LSU is going to get past seven, eight wins. Uh, I think right now you'd have to say LSU is better than Auburn, though. I think I'd say that. I think LSU, you know, obviously they've Mississippi State now. So, uh, again, I think Brian Kelly is going to be just fine. I mean, I could continue to see people talking about LSU. It's like, oh, I, I wasn't impressed with them. <laughs> I didn't, don't really think we were supposed to be this season. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't understand what you're trying to say. I mean, trust me, look, I'm an Alabama fan. I'm not trying to sit here and pump up LSU because I like them. I'm just trying to tell you how it is. I mean, you know, I thought that would be a really tight game there in Baton Rouge, and I thought it was going to be pretty much a toss up. I, you know, I picked Mississippi State to win the game, but am I surprised that LSU won? Absolutely not. So, yeah, again, you know. People shoveling dirt on these teams, man. It, it, it just trips me out. <laughs> After one ball game, it's just unreal. It's shoveling dirt basically, uh, and basically trashing Brian Kelly and all of that. I mean, I understand uh, his antics when he took the job and he got first got to Baton Rouge. I understand all that it was kind of crazy looking, but I – I don't care about that What is he going to do When he gets on the sideline What is he going to do Coaching that football team During the week What is he going to do In recruiting That's what I care about I don't care what he about like him dancing And trying to sound like He's from the south I, I really could care less <laughs> I, I really could man. So I mean it just, it just doesn't have Anything to do with the other So anyway uh, LSU Really big win Really big win. Jaden Daniels went got 100 yards on 17 rushes. Again, he's still a guy that's, you know, going to be running the football a little bit better than he throws it. So LSU, you know, LSU probably at this moment, you probably can defend them pretty good, but I think their defense is coming along. So I think they're going to be in a lot of games. Now they Are they going to win more of them than they lose? Probably not. But, again, I think they get to a bowl game. I think they get to seven wins or so. And, for me, I think LSU fans should be content with that in season one under Brian Kelly. Uh, looking at the rest of the games, just really quick, man. Just kind of going to go through the scoreboard. At, you know, Tennessee rolls again 63-6 to over Akron. Florida struggled again. But they get the victory 31-28 over South Florida. Arkansas struggled big time. They were trailing late in that game, 27-17, but they come up with a flurry of points against Missouri State. They welcomed back Bobby Petrino. Can you believe that? (laughs) That was crazy to see him back in that stadium and almost pulling the crazy upset. That would have been huge, but uh, Arkansas gets the victory, thirty-eight twenty-seven. They could have maybe looked been looking ahead to this game coming up at Jerry's World against Texas A&M. Not really sure, but we'll talk about that a lot uh, in my next episode for sure uh, as we get ready for that football game. Uh, Alabama again, sixty-three to seven over ULM. Uh, Northern Illinois losing to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt 3-1 coming into that game in Tuscaloosa this coming Saturday. How about that? Vanderbilt wins that game 38-28. Missouri beats Abilene Christian 34-17. Kentucky shuts out Youngstown State 31-0. Those are the SEC scores from this past Saturday. Anyway, man, that is my round the SEC. Um, well, Let's go on and give my game ball, man. You know, look, <laughs> I was going to go on and just kind of wait until I got into my next segment. Well, why wait? Let's go on again get into my game ball. And I'm going back to that LSU-Mississippi State game to give out my game ball in the SEC. And I'm going with Jaden Daniels, man. Why not? 22 of 37. Again, I, I still think this team is going to have to get a lot better throwing the football. But in this game, in this particular case, Daniels, twenty-two of thirty-seven, two hundred ten yards on a touchdown in the air, and then seventeen rushes for one hundred yards and two more touchdowns on the ground. And I think, hey, if you're getting that type of production, man, again, I don't think you're going to get that every game. But if you're getting that or getting somewhere close to that, LSU is going to be in a lot of football games. They're going to have some close calls here coming up. I, I really believe that. And uh, who knows, maybe they win more of them than I think. We'll see. But for this week, man, I'm giving Jaden Daniels my game ball for the SEC. Anyway, now that is my Around the SEC segment. We're going to come back. We'll give out my game balls in the NFL. We'll talk a little bit of HBCU and close out the show. ball about the South continues. okay y'all we're back in ball about the south uh continues and I want to appreciate well, I want to say that I really appreciate you dropping by and again please don't forget to like subscribe do all those things I'm going to close out the show here in a few minutes uh, I want to get into the HBCUs one thing I do want to mention while I was talking about LSU a few minutes ago Florida State Seminoles are 3-0 I just thought I'd throw that out there. (laughs) So maybe that loss to Florida State is not quite as bad as as some people thought it was, was, which is kind of what I was trying to kind of say after that loss happened because I thought Florida State was a team that was a little bit more seasoned than this LSU team is. So, again, not as bad a loss as maybe it looked there on Labor Day, uh the night before Labor Day for the LSU Tigers. Uh anyway, man, let's move on. I want to uh first I guess I, you know talk about a couple of the HBCU games. Really the one, you know, we had the Howard Morehouse game that went down. That game was in Giant Stadium uh then uh well New Jersey, New York, whatever you want to call it. Uh so that was a huge game it was a really cool sight to see Spike Lee lead out lead Morehouse out onto the field Morehouse and Howard uh, Howard getting the victory in that game of course You know, uh, but still really a good scene there uh, seeing all those uh, always a huge rivalry obviously between those two historically black colleges and uh, definitely a good look man uh, that game was on CNBC, if I remember correctly. So uh, I thought it was a pretty good, you know, pretty good look to get those two teams on a pretty decent network. Um, obviously, there was a lot of talk going on in the SWAC right now from Grambling State fans who were kind of upset with one Deion Sanders. Now Jackson State went on to win the big, win that game huge as they hosted. Grambling over the weekend on Saturday, doing their thing, uh, uh, of course. You know, they kind of got off to a slow start. It looked like Grambling was going to hang in there. But uh, do Sanders and those dudes got off in the second half and went on to a huge victory. The bigger story coming out of that game, however, is a lot of Grambling fans and alumni or whatever were really uh, complaining about the conditions there at Jackson, I think it's a Jackson Veterans Memorial or Veterans Memorial Stadium, whatever they call it, the Vet, something like that. And they were, you know, a lot of people left because they were saying that uh, obviously it was a hot day. I mean, it was—I'm not sure what the temperature was there, but it was near 100 here in, in Birmingham, 95 or something like that. So I'm sure it had to be about the same or worse there. And they were saying that some of the band members were falling out and they left early and some of the fans left early because they I'm, I'm seeing I don't know if it's true or not but I'm seeing where some people were saying that, that the concession stands were short of water and all of that I'm not really sure if all that's true I have no clue but it has really made a huge conversation on social media and. The reason why it really became even a bigger story is because Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, came out and spoke out against Grambling for leaving so early. He spoke out and was like, you know, he thought the crowd was pathetic. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I mean, I, I just so again, that has been a huge story here the last couple of days. Yeah, I'm, I'm again. I'm not really sure. I understand where Dion is coming from on a lot of this, a lot of these things that he's saying. But I mean, that seemed like a situation at that point where I don't blame some of the fans for leaving. I, I'm, I'm not really understanding where Dion is going with that. Uh, he spoke out against Grambling for their uh, low attendance numbers at home. Now, I, you know, I don't know if that's Dion's place necessarily to. to Point that out, but now he's correct on that. I'm I'm not going to have to. I'm going to have to agree with them on that. I think they were saying that. I think the stadium seats 19 or 20 thousand, and they were only averaging like 7,500 fans, which is which which is which is bad. It's pretty embarrassing, actually. I understand Grambling is not the good football team that we've known them to be in, in certain years or whatever, but there's plenty of Grambling alumni around to get more than 7,500 people in the state. But then at the same time, that has nothing to do with what happened this weekend, and that's what a lot of people were referencing. So I don't know, man. I know that Dion is really on this campaign to really lift up HBCUs, and that's great. But I think that sometimes... You you can't fight every battle and, and criticize every little thing. I mean I, I just didn't see the the need for criticism at that point. So anyway, Jackson State again moves through um they stay undefeated. And I you know, I don't know if anyone is gonna beat them in the swack again this season. FamU obviously could not do it. They did not come close. Grambling <laughs> might have been the next team in line to possibly have a chance of doing it. Hugh Jackson's guys did not get it done either. So it's going to be a very interesting situation, man, there going forward. Another huge game, a bit of an upset when you sit down and look at it in the SWAC Western Division. Southern, going down to Texas Southern. That was a pretty big victory for Texas Southern, getting that victory over, um, over the Jaguars the other night. Texas Southern. We talked about them in my HBCU preview. I'm not really surprised to see this team starting to show some a lot of signs of improvement. I think we saw a little bit of that even last season. So the maturation continues there with this Texas Southern team. And I think that is definitely a really good thing for them in the SWAC. Anyway, man, um, I want to close out the show with a little bit of congratulations got a couple of them to go around I'm going to save my favorite one for last (laughs) first one I do have to congratulate the Atlanta Braves they clinched a wild card spot last night they're still obviously deep in uh, contention for the NL East they're only a game back which it seems like they've been a game back since June June or July to the Mets (laughs) so that is still ongoing big time but if nonetheless, if they don't get the division, obviously this team is going to be in the playoffs. It's a wild card. They have like a 12 game lead right now over the second place team in the wild card standing. And that would be the San Diego Padres who would be good to go right now as well. And then, um, uh, have behind them, the Milwaukee Brewers. So, uh interesting stuff going on there with the Braves are definitely going to be in the postseason I'm sorry I, I said the Brewers I meant the Philadelphia Phillies are behind the San Diego Padres for that third wild card and then you have uh, the, the uh, Brewers behind them by lack of game something like that so it's going to be a very interesting uh, wild card race there for those three or four teams to see who gets those last couple spots obviously the Dodgers just running away with the NL West and uh, the St. Louis Cardinals fresh off of Mr. Albert Pujols getting his 698th home run on Sunday. Congratulations to him. Uh, They look in pretty good shape up eight and a half games over the Brewers in the NL Central. Uh, Another bit of congratulations one Aaron Judge, he hit his 61st home run big time, man. How about that? Uh, you know just, just incredible numbers that this dude is putting up this season incredible home run numbers that the Yankees are putting up as a whole craziness going on with that with that team but lots some bullpen problems that I keep seeing with them and they definitely are not the team that they were when they started out the season we'll see how that goes maybe that's not such a bad thing as we get ready for the playoffs we'll see how, how that works for them but my main bit of congratulations goes to, and I hate to leave them last, but they're definitely not least. And that is to my favorite WNBA team, the Las Vegas Aces winning the WNBA Championship with that victory the other night, the other uh, day on Sunday over the Connecticut Sun. Boy, Asian Wilson doing her thing. Chelsea uh, Kelsey Plum getting the really the, the basket. Uh, that really uh, was the final nail in the coffin. Jackie Young hitting some big shots. Uh, Williams hitting some big shots from some from a couple of big threes there late in, the, um, late in the game. Obviously, just you know so many weapons on that team. Kinetic, uh, valiant effort by them. No question about that. But John Quill Jones had a really good game. DeWanna Bonner, all those uh, fabulous young ladies on that team. But the Las Vegas Aces prevail. Congrats, congrats, congrats to them! Your WNBA 2022 champions. Anyway, y'all, that does it for this episode, man. We're gonna uh, come back at you again a little bit later in the week, and we're gonna do a you know show to you know this kind of recap what we saw this past weekend. We're gonna come up with a, uh, maybe a short show a little bit later in the week. Two, uh, probably by Friday, and we're gonna look at the weekend to come in, re- in college football and in the NFL, of course. So please look out for that. Until then, man, my name is Carrie Wood. Call me C-Wood at C Wood @CWood on Sports on Twitter and IG. It's where you can find me. And until the next time, I am about Jalen Merrill's unique skill set. Just given that, is there a thought of maybe putting a package together for him regardless of Bryce's injury status? We already have one. So...
1: Okay. Uh, we got three. Do you want us to put a new one together now just because he might play or use the old one? I mean, we can do either one. I mean, I'll, I'll go talk to the offensive coaches and see. see that more often, then. Um again you know I don't talk to Jimbo on a regular basis but I'll call him and tell him right after the, the conference if you want me to I Man you you guys think I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with our offense and our team You you, you might as well make it up I, I saw today where there's headlines in the paper that you know I'm going to keep it a secret what we're going to do with Rice That's it sounded like me making that statement, but it re- I've never said that. But it, it was there in black and white. Like, so you can make up whatever you want to make up. You know, look at somebody else's running quarterback and say they should put these plays in. I think that would be a better way to do it. Yeah.